The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends, and earn Unicorns through successful bets, or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program, where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am a writer for Unicorn.com, and welcome to a very special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. MSI, the semifinals are coming up. We have had the main event group stage. We have seen the best teams from each region uh, and the best wild card and the Gigabyte Marines battle it out. It was an incredibly interesting event. I think it's safe to say a very tense event in terms of just how close the bottom four teams were to each other. But I can't think of anyone who probably, uh, if not you know, demoralized, maybe at least solidified in his previous assertion that this tournament is not what everyone wants it to be. Uh, Walter C.A.D. Svedchuk. Walter, how you doing, buddy? So, so I got I, before we get into the ha 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 everything. I'm just gonna take a moment. I'm just gonna I'm gonna take these out just real quick. Take okay. a moment. All right. Let internet go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, it's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. It's almost like I can't hear anything. It's like it's like the internet only exists on the internet, and all those comments are absolutely meaningless in the void of space. It's kind of weird. Also, like calling the group stage the main event. That seems kind of misleading, Riot. Uh, that's not the main event. That's that's the group stage. You played all these teams against each other, and then you got four teams, and then they're going to play in the semifinals, and then they're going to play in a final, and that's that's the main event. Usually the main event is at the end of a show. It's, it's at the all end of, of a it, tournament. Walter. The whole thing, now that we're past the play-in, it's all the main event. Listen, so... WrestleMania tries to do that, and they can only get like three matches actually counted as a main event, and that... Goes on for like seven hours. So let, let's no, Ryan, you aren't WWE. This isn't WrestleMania. This is some random pay per view that happened in 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 May. I don't even know what month it is. It was May. Whatever. I I just found it weird that you called that that uh, as a for disappointment. No, um, did it confirm my opinions that MSI is a worthless tournament? Yes, but not for the reason that everyone is going to be like, oh, of course the TSM fan thinks it's a worthless tournament. I've been saying it's a worthless tournament when CLG got to the finals against SKT. Like, I... Whatever. And I, I see the yeah. entire the entirety of the internet going crazy and, oh my god, TSM is so bad and this is so embarrassing. This is the worst loss in any, you know, international history. Like, no, it's really not. There was... There was last year but last year at least cloud nine got to the quarterfinals there was one north american team in elimination no i think the most embarrassing like international loss it also you know involves tsm um probably losing to 80 care uh, to uh, jungle twisted fate at the first iem san jose that's yeah. pretty embarrassing but that wasn't all that international uh, but probably worlds in season three when it was in la uh, and and uh, OMG and SKT realized the way to beat TSM was just Camp Dyrus because he was the back, uh, you know, the backbone of that entire team, and it caused Reginald so much emotional distress that he actually played Teemo in a competitive game, and then that caused further trauma upon his brain that he actually had to look inside of himself and realize he shouldn't be a professional League of Legends player anymore and had to go get Bjergsen to replace him on the team that was called Team Solo Mid because he was the mid laner and the team ran through him. So let, let's let's knock off the shenanigans. Let's knock off all of this. The number one seed, sure, does it hurt? Fine, but TSM had a number one seed at Worlds last year and they ended up with Samsung Galaxy and Royal in their group. 
Like, I, I, it's not the end of the world. Everybody, take your week, complain about it, and when week one of the LCS starts back up, everybody will be chanting TSM in the LCS arena because Double Lift will be back on the rift, and TSM will be fine because they're going to go, uh, what is it, 18-0 and 0 again in the LCS? Like, they're going to go 17-1, 15-3, whatever. I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, let's start with TSM. I was going to start, we are going to go worst to best, but you know what? We're already getting there. Let's yeah. just go into it. We're going worst I, to best. That's exactly what we're doing. I love it. I, I wearing I have, the shirt, and I said that. I know. I I appreciate <laughs> it. You need that kind of honesty in in a fan base for sure. Yes, but do. I think that there's a very interesting conversation that has to be had about North America and their role within the international scene right now because the fact that TSM lost at this event, I don't think it's that shocking. I, I had them as my fifth, as the fifth best team of this event heading into MSI. If you read my article at LCS Predict, the stats were not very favorable towards TSM. They, in fact, probably would have been in the negatives if wildcards weren't historically as weak as they were. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that there were clear problems that we talked about when we broke down the North American LCS finals and, and the, how close that series came against Cloud9. So I, I got to ask you, Walter... What does TSM's struggles at this tournament say about the North American scene as a whole? Because I think this is more than just about TSM. If TSM in this weakened, dilapidated state can still win the North American region, what does that mean for the rest of the league? How far behind is the next tier of teams? And, And should we be concerned about this? I mean, I, it comes down to two trains of thought. Are you concerned on an international scale? Of course you are. Of course you are. North America has never performed well in international events. And me being the biggest TSM homer on the planet, yes, that IEM World Championship doesn't count. There we go. It's on record. You can find, put it against me. And anytime we want to talk about uh, TSM's international successes, I will always bring it up and treat it with the reverence that it deserves. Uh, in this case, no, nah, it doesn't mean bupkis. North American teams are terrible on the international stage. We've gone to the quarterfinals, like, what, three, four times at Worlds? We had the great run that CLG had, but look at how quickly that team just flamed out. They just got lucky. They got hot at the right time. It was the right meta. The players were all playing at their peak. And uh, and great, like, that's fine. But North America has never competed on the international scale. In Season 1, where there were two like Southeast Asian teams and European teams and North American teams, the two North American teams, Epic Gamer and TSM, were playing in the third and fourth place match, and Fnatic and and Against All Authority were playing in the grand finals. That's what that happens. North America's never been this international starlet. They've never really had this moment where like, yeah, TSM is absolutely, you know, absolutely going to take this tournament. They're the favorites. They can knock off this, you know, second tier Korean team, like whatever. Like those moments happen in season two, against Azubu Frost and Azubu Blaze, and we learned, yeah, we can't compete with them. So in that mindset, like, yeah, North America is in terrible shape when it comes to competing on an international scale. Uh, but if you look at North America just as a whole, if you take it out of the international scene and just look at North America, um, North America is, like, incredibly strong as a region. You have brands from top to bottom that everyone wants to support, that they have backing from any- everywhere. Even Envious, that is probably one of the weakest brands just because they're not very good. They have their fans that are going to come over from Call of Duty, that are going to come over from Counter-Strike, that are going to come over from all these other successes. It should tell you something that that organization is not being sold despite its performance failings on the Rift. They went out and got some players potentially that are a little weird, that might still be a tenth spot. But when you're looking at this potential of relegation uh, that we've heard so much about going into next year, that's what you want. Identifiable brands. And the boys in blue are among the most identifiable in esports as a whole. And that's what matters to, you know, creating these sort of identifiable organizations. Uh, so it's two thoughts. It's I already know North America is not going to do any do well on the international scale. If you care about that, yep, you guys are screwed. You're never going to have success when it comes to North America. You're always going to be disappointed. There's always going to be failure. And you get these you know, random peaks where, yeah, like a CLG has a perfect meta and they can take a run at SKT. But the history isn't there for them to be good internationally. I think if you just look at the region, though, I think the region is incredibly strong. And as much as, you know, we hate that Doublelift sort of saved Team Liquid, you know, two teams got relegated in Europe. 
Those two teams in Europe were pretty goddamn awful. Two teams in North America were strong enough and were good enough to sort of stave off the challengers. So I, I don't think the region itself is in as dire straits uh, as it looks when you look at international performances. And, and, and that's something that I just find, you know, when, when you talk about where they are on the international stage, you really do have to add that qualifier there. Um, are they going to perform well as a whole? I, I, I think that we can't compare them to Korea. I don't think we can compare any of the regions outside of Korea to Korea right now. China's the one that we're going to have to start having at least conversations about, potentially. But we've we've no. gone down that no. road before. Exactly. We'll go down that road again later exactly. in this podcast. I think one of the problems that we're going to have when we talk about North America is a lack of upcoming native talent that's going to come in and push people forward. And I'm going to refer to Stillwell's Twitlonger. He had a brilliant breakdown of this. Only six new mid laners have entered the North American LCS since 2014. None of them did particularly well. That they are North Americans. That are North yeah, American That are residents. North Americans. So yes. since Bjergsen entered the North American LCS, six. 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 Statistically impossible. It is impossible that North American Challenger Ladder is so bereft of talent that there are only six people with the capability, if given the time, energy, resources, investment that you would want in young talent to succeed. It, it's basically untenable. This is not something that you can get away with. And I think that as a whole, we're going to find that the gap between North America and the rest of the non-Korean power regions is at risk of growing if there is not that natural talent that's going to keep them viable, that's going to keep them pushing forward. You can't just have all of it concentrated on your TSMs and your Cloud9s and every once in a while CLG. I mean, sure you can. You can have that happen. That's fine. I don't think in the long run that works. You can do it in the short run. And in the short run, they have been able to get this done. But how many more years of this? How many more years without any other team even challenging for that final spot? Can we get away with as a region? How many teams are we going to have to have that rely on C and D tier Koreans to hold up a roster so that they can then get blown out in the semifinals anyway, like we saw with Phoenix 1? Like, that was a 3 nothing. It wasn't close. And it was to a team that had severe flaws who also couldn't beat a team with massive flaws and not playing their best AD carry because they loaned it out to another team for the split. These are all concerns to me. I, I find all of these to be big questions that the scene as a whole has to answer. But there's also the questions that TSM has to answer. Walter, what's the thing you're most concerned about moving forward? I know you're going to say MSI doesn't matter, but if anything from MSI was going to come back to haunt TSM, what's the thing that scares you? <laughs> um, so, so, so like the first, ad, like the first thing that pops in my head is Sven Skarin, but yeah. I want to see Sven Skarin back with Doublelift. I want to see the, the, the strong call, shot calling, the strong laners, um, Biofrost actually being able to roam because he doesn't need to hold Wild Turtle's hands, like those types of things. My biggest concern is Parth. I know I've defended Parth on the past. Um, I'm not friends with him. I don't know him. I don't, you know, I, whatever. He, he is the type of coach that is pretty much as behind the scenes as you can be behind the scenes um, and not be viewed. He doesn't go out and do VOD reviews like Rebird's been doing. He's not, uh, you know, shelling his own snake oil like a former uh, TSM coach used to do. Um, at the end of the day, though, there are just some picks and bands that are just so mind-alteringly hallucinogenic that I don't know what drugs he's on. Like, and, and you could go back, and, like, Reaper did the entire discussion about why you don't want to give up, you know, Twitch and Kog'Maw to a Lulu. I get it. But you can talk your way into anything that's already happened. Like, there are people in modern history right now that are going back and, like, okay, well, this is why Donald Trump was actually elected president. Let's go through all these reasons. And, like, trying to make it okay that, yeah, this is, you know, this is the reasoning behind it and this is what happened, yada, yada, yada. And it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it right. Like, mm -hmm. That that's you know history you know history belongs to the victors and you know the winners get to rewrite history like they're just rewriting history it was a stupid decision stop trying to make it okay 
Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about the draft. I'm talking about parts yeah. draft and, and that. Um, not another tangent. But that being said, I, but this isn't the first time he's done it. It's not the second time he's done it. I could probably, I probably can't count on ten fingers how many times he's just had these drafts where it's just like, what are you doing? And sometimes he isn't punished for it. Sometimes the players that he have are good enough that they can get around these kind of deficiencies. But he's been here for a while. And it feels like at MSI, he massively underperformed. Massively underperformed. It was not very inspired drafting. It was very kind of, let's just get, you know, this champion and, and this champion. And it wasn't even like they were doing the old TSM strategy where they just banned the same three champions and that's it. It's like, well, we just don't want to play against those three champions. We believe we can adapt to anything else. Let's go for it. It wasn't even that. It was just awkward. Um, so he's the one that concerns me the most going into the summer split. But that being said, when Double Lift comes back, this team goes 18 and 0, and Bjergsen wins MVP for whatever a 30th time, and Parth wins Coach of the Year. It all won't matter, and he'll only have one really weird draft, and everybody will be like, yeah, Parth is a great Parth is a great coach because TSM is amazing. Sure, whatever. Well, I mean, this was ultimately the argument that we had after the 2016 summer split when we were coming up with our awards. I wanted to give Coach of the Split to Reaper. You were very mad at me for this and went all in on Parth. Yep. And I made all of the same criticisms then that you made right now. None of these things are new. And I, and I just want to say, I think that we have to understand where this flaw is coming from, from Parth. None of his decisions in a bubble have been terrible. I totally understand not wanting Lulu plus a hyper carry 80 carry beating you in a game that you have to win in order to make your way out of the... Yeah. I totally get that. It makes 100% sense in a vacuum. But League is not played in a vacuum. And for forever, Parth has done his picks and bans, either with the three straight ones or just with the drafts that we saw there and in other games in this tournament. Let's not act like that one tiebreaker game was the only one. It was just the most notable, visible one. He doesn't seem to game plan very well around the enemy team's greatest strengths. And that's a huge concern because when you let your opponent play within their comfort zone, of course they're going to put together better performances. Of course they're going to be in the best position that they would otherwise be to succeed. And that's the position that Parth has put this TSM team into and forced them to kind of sink or swim. And unfortunately, it fell a little bit short here. Uh, I think that it has the potential to come up short heading into the world championship as well. Certainly, I hope he improves from this. I hope he learns from this. It's just that I've now seen him do this too many times to really believe that. He's going to have to prove it to me. Uh, my skepticism is at an all-time high in that regard. Um, but they did beat everybody once outside of SKT. They have that going for them. Doublelift will come back. We will have more thoughts on TSM in a later episode. But Let's talk about the Marines real quick. Okay. Did they impress you? Are you surprised by how well this Marines team performed at this tournament? I mean, not really, because we watched the play-in. Like, if you're counting the play-in, like, yeah. I didn't think Marines was necessarily, like, a favorite to get out of that tournament. Um... But at the end of the day, like, they proved in the play-in, like, yes, we are by far the best, I'm, you know, international wildcard team. And when they got to the tournament, like, all the teams that are playing right now are built for late game. And, and Flash Wolves fits this, like, really weird pseudo-early, pseudo. Like, they're mid-game, yeah. not late game. But, like, we'll get to them. every other team is all late game teams, except SKT, because they're God. Um, but, like, WE, G2, and TSM are all late game focused. They're all that, that 20 to 40 minute game. So, yeah, Marines could just go out and just gunsling for 15 minutes. Uh, and, you know, eventually in a couple of these games, they were able to build up enough of a lead that it didn't matter what kind of uh, late game the TSM had. They were just behind. They were just lost. Um, so the play-in taught me a lot about them. So I was surprised and impressed by them in the play-in. And then the fact that they were able to carry over that same play style to the main event um, wasn't surprising. But it, it was fun. It was, like, fun to watch. It was fun to watch another wildcard team that plays this really, really aggressive early game like uh, Albus Knox did at Worlds, you know, has some success. And I think that's great for uh, for the Southeast Asia region as a whole. Um, yeah, we'll see if we see them at Worlds. Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, they've given themselves the easiest path 
to get there than any wildcard team has ever had. The Southeast Asian region is guaranteed to have one team at the event. No matter what happens in the play-in stage to get those four final spots, we know a Southeast Asian team is going to be there. And more likely than not, it's going to be whoever wins the Vietnamese region because Vietnam seems to be the strongest team from that region. Oh. Not sure how the second place team is going to do. Ascension Gaming at this tournament was particularly bad. So the GPL 2 seed might be a problem. But, you know, yeah. if the Marines can play as well as they did again, you know, I'd love to see them. I, I think that Levi in particular, 3.4 KDA, despite being on a 3-7 and seven team, is incredibly impressive. The next closest on his team was 2.5. I mean, the guy was playing out of his mind. And I think he, in particular, uh, there is a career out there for him if he is interested in playing in North America or Europe and feels that he can learn English. It's in play. He is He's going to go to China first, dude. He's going to go to China first. You know, I, sure. I'd be interested. I'd be in for that, too. China certainly got the pockets for it. There's certainly enough teams in the yeah. league for it. He is a legitimate talent and deserves to be more than just this guy that's kind of trapped away in this Vietnamese region. Fair enough. Is it safe to say Optimus was underwhelming? Am I wrong for feeling like Optimus didn't perform as well as the hype around his name? Like, even people that don't follow Vietnam know who Optimus is. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he, had, he, had, he had some high moments. He had some low moments. Like, eh, it's a wildcard team. They, they, there's a reason they're a wildcard team. He's not always going to be 100% consistent. So I, I wasn't disappointed. It was like, oh, yeah, this is exactly like what happened with Kira at Worlds. Like, he wasn't the star of the team. It was very obvious. So he did enough for them to win a couple games. I guess. I mean, that's fair. 45 deaths seems like a lot at this event. It is the most of any player at this event. How he many of those deaths were that. against Faker, though? I mean, they had a lot of deaths in those games. I'm not going to lie. The, the mid laners but... at, this, the, at this event were very, very good. You had two of the top, guaranteed top five mid laners in this world, at uh, this event. Yes, you did. And, and Maple and Faker. Like, I'm not going to hold Pierce a lot of deaths top 10? I put Bjergsen in the top 10 of that conversation. I mean, probably, but I, I have to go through every mid laner in the world and go like, okay, is, is Bjergsen at 10 or is he at, you know, 6? It's... Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, but you're you're absolutely correct. There were a lot of talented guys. It's just, there was an apprehension in there that concerned me. Yeah, Marines were all go all the time, but Optimus would sometimes hesitate to go in. So what you're saying is that the Marines need Mickey and Optimus needs to go to Africa. Ooh, Mickey would be so fine. It'd be so fine. It would blow my mind. Oh, God. I'd absolutely I get this joke every time you make it. You know what? It's, I don't care. <laughs> I genuinely am just going to keep going until, you know what? You'd come in on the bad jokes and the puns with me, people. That's, that's how this thing has to go. We're going to move on to, a te to the teams that are actually going to be playing moving forward. They have four teams did get out. There was a four-way tie for those last two spots heading into the final day of games, which I do believe we got to give the Marines credit for. But two teams emerged. The first one of those teams were the Flash Wolves. They got the tiebreaker against TSM. <laughs> they were the ones that fought their way in. And here's your reward, SKT. Yeah. So let's let's talk about Flash Wolves first before we, we throw them to Ooh. the Telecom Wolves. What are your thoughts on their performance this tournament? Because I, I think that... It, it really balanced in some some ways that I don't think most people expected when we projected how they were going to play at this event. So SKT aren't the Wolves. It, it, the Flash Wolves. That's literally their name. They are the Flash Wolves. <laughs> SKT aren't Wolves. Yeah, so let's well, get that out of the way. You have the Flash oh. Wolves. Like, they flash in. Like, I'm a wolf. And then SKT are like, but we're actual wolves, and we don't just flash. We, we survive. And then, you know what? Go. Just go. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> That, that being said, uh, yeah, Flash Wolves were kind of weird. Uh, MMD was bad up until the last game against uh, against TSM. Like, he was actually visibly bad. Um, Carson and Maple were inconsistent. Like, it was, it was just really weird. That, that's just how I would describe their performance. It was just weirdly inconsistent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know why. Like, I can't put down what my finger was on it. It, it felt like Carso wasn't being overly aggressive in the early game, that he was afraid of, like, these other junglers. I, I, I think he was spooked, mostly, that he was going to get punished. I think, you know, he looked at Levi, he looked at, uh, at Spenskaren and Trick, and, like, in regional play, these guys are super, super aggressive, constantly invading. Um, and, like, he was just scared of that. Like, he didn't want to engage with these kind of guys in in the laning phase and he felt like we're more talented players so if i can just not make enough like if we can't make if we don't make mistakes early on then it puts us into a better place to succeed sort of in this mid game where we're really good at skirmishing um maple was fine he was you know just mainly laning Uh, i thought betty was the real star of this team for for the groups in all honesty just because he was the one that was constantly engaging constantly setting up plays um and then obviously the playing mvp was was Maple because that Talia game was just absolutely disgusting. God, um, he's so I good. Lo- I love Talia as a champion, and when I get to watch good players play Talia, it is just a joy. It is an absolute joy, and Maple just put on a clinic of, of absolutely controlling the game. You know, Betty would hit good arrows, but then he would just murder people and be like, all right, that arrow missed, but you just stepped into my seismic shove, which just pulled you back into the minefield thing, and then I just kill you. Um, yeah. I mean, Maple played really good. That was the first time that Flash Wolves looked like Flash Wolves. Even against SKT, that felt more about SKT was sort of like had taken their foot off the gas. It was like, eh, you know, whatever. Then like Flash Wolves really playing up to their potential, um, which could bode well for Flash Wolves since they kind of had such a mediocre first, you know, you know, 12 games and then they come out or 10 games and then they come out into this play-in and they just absolutely crush it. Maybe that means momentum is on their side if you believe in momentum, um, but it is SKT. So I, Flash Wolves inconsistent until game eleven. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. And Tim Sevenusen actually just put out a video on it that I thought was uh, very interesting. It, it basically you have to think about the Flash Wolves as a team that, while very good, very predictable in a lot of ways. You knew that. Karza and Maple like to roam. They usually like to roam to that bot lane, make sure that Betty's in a comfortable position. You don't really want to play around MMD because he's not a strong enough laner that you really want to build your strategy around that. And so people were able to scout that out pretty easily, and Flash will struggled at first to adapt to that. And I think a lot of the apprehension that you're noting came from that. I, I think that teams understood how to cut off the avenues in which flash wolves were naturally comfortable and so they're like well we don't know what to do here so we're just not going to do anything here because at least that way we don't lose the game for ourselves yeah. uh, unfortunately that's probably the worst thing you can do uh, flash wolves early game rating 43.9 worst at the event uh, in the main event we should say uh, his their jungle percentage you would think Karza. If nothing else, he controls the jungle, right? That's just the guy that we Not know this to be. event. 46.6%. Lowest in the tournament. Those are untenable numbers if you have any hope of Flash Wolves completing this miracle upset against our lords of Korea. I, I, I mean, you, you look, I, I get... Maple deserves credit. I, I think his ultimate's the Talia wall that blocked off the TSM from even being able to engage uh. on the Baron that just became one of the cleanest takes I've seen almost ever. I'm struggling to come up with one that was more just technically perfect. I don't think so. I don't, you know, when they're playing like that, they're one of the scariest teams that I've ever had the joy of being able to watch, but you've got to keep playing like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that right now they have not shown a propensity for it, though shout out to Betty played very well this tournament so far. I think his arrows have been on point. I think he's played within his wheelhouse. He's done everything you could want it to. This is not a Flash Wolves that are going to go back and say, oh, no, our bot lane still needs to be fixed. The bot lane is fine. We're good. MMD is a question mark. But the bot lane is fine. The bot lane is fine. Kids are all right. (laughs) Kids are all right. Mommy's all right. Daddy's all right. They just seem a little weird. It's fine. But Faker... Really, all of our daddies, by the way, that he just owns the whole rift and has that presence and just dominates every conversation. Okay, that we no, have. no, no, stop, stop this. Okay, stop this. Stop, what? stop. No, 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 no. Okay, so I'm still gonna. It, it, faker is fake. 
He's Baker's Faker. He's he's got here. All he's showing me in this event is that he is taking he's taking a break. He's pulling a LeBron. We know he has that extra gear. We know he can get to it anytime he wants. And he looks at this and goes, Ah, well, all the underlings are kind of killing themselves, so it's just two best of five series, and I get another championship. I'm going to wait until that happens. And he didn't play well. Like, he wasn't, um, he was not faker level faker. He was faker, who's still pretty damn good, just like LeBron is pretty damn good. But when you look at Faker at the World Championship against Rox Tigers and against Samsung Galaxy, and you look at Faker, who is playing against World Elite that just picked Lucian, like, he's just like, eh, okay, whatever. Like, this game doesn't mean anything. We already got the number one seed. It's locked. Like, we we'll, won't play against them until the finals. They just unveiled that they know how to play Lucian mid. Like, whatever. Wash my hands of it. Which, to be fair, GA played absolutely fantastic on that Lucian. That was amazing. Wonderful. But this just entirely felt like Faker was like, all right, I'm only going to try if it seems like I really need to, and they really need me to make plays. But when the rest of the team around you is Hooney, who is doing more champions, more damage to champions as Galio than anyone else in the game against TSM, Peanut, who, I mean, everyone loves Peanut, and Bang and Wolf for the bottom lane that are like, yeah, we're still the best AD carry duo in the world. Why doesn't anyone talk about us anymore? I, I know we have Hooney and Peanut, but, like, guys, we're really good. We're, we're really, really good. Uh, yeah, they could do that. He could take his foot off the pedal. He could sit back and have a, a mimosa while the rest of his team is playing. Like He can play with one hand if he wants. It's, I, I, He's a god. There's a reason he is the unkillable demon king or whatever weird Korean translation that comes out to. He's the best player in League of Legends history. Outright. And we don't know what a prime is in, e in League of Legends esports, really. Because we've never had someone that has really stuck around at the top of his game as long as Faker has. You can pull up guys like uh, Dyrus was around for a long period of time. Uh, Doublelift has been around for a long period of time. You have Froggen, you have Peke, you have some of these guys that have really long careers. But none of them were the definitive best player in the world for nearly four years. And it's just, we're waiting for that downslide. But he keeps getting better and more intelligent as he plays. So, um... Yeah, I thought Faker was great. I thought the two games that they lost, it was more about teams. Um, I, World Elite game was absolutely about GA just abusing him with Lucian because that was a really fun matchup and really tilted well into into Lucian's favor. But mostly, like the mid to late games was more about like Huni wasn't getting really good engages, Peanut wasn't getting really good engages, and they're kind of just leaving their carries out to dry, which I think Kakoma is gonna have cleaned up in a week. Like he'll be like, "All right, guys." Let's stop the stupidity. Hooney, I know I told you you could play Lucian top lane. I know I said one game in the group stage you could do it. But you guys lost against Flash Wolves. That revoked that status. And you also lost against World Elite, which means you are never playing Lucian top as long as you wear SKT. I don't want to hear it. Stop crying. You're going to play Galio, and you're going to very well like it. And Hooney's just like... Oh, carry. You had the most damage as Galio, as a tank. It's incredible. Look, it's ridiculous. To put Hooney's stats in perspective, the damage per minute numbers throughout the tournament. Number one is Sven. That's not surprising. J2 played through their bot lane almost entirely. Yeah. Number two is Mystic. Again, not particularly surprising. Chinese AD carry. Hyper carries were their thing. Number three was Hooney. 538 damage per minute. <laughs> he is the only top laner in the top 10. And there are only 30 players at this tournament. Hanser at 11. He did slightly more damage, damage per minute. Share. Than... Holy... He's the it's... highest on SKT in damage share. Yeah, of course. It's absurd. By, by the way, uh, you know... Wow. Yeah. I mean, Faker's at 514. Bang is barely at 500. Um... I, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, it's, it's insane that Hootie, who is probably their hold third on, or on, fourth on. best player at any given time, is that good. It's not fair. It's just not fair. SK Telecom are, like, playing with cheat codes, it feels like. They just somehow have so much talent. I mean, Bang is absurd. His positioning in teamfights is, is amazing. Faker, you know, even on autopilot is still probably the best mid laner in the world. And oh, by the way, Peanut literally broke records at this tournament. 
literally broke the record for the most kills in the early game. 14! What, what was this? 14 kills by 15 minutes. That doesn't happen on an LCS stage. It doesn't happen on an international stage. Literally, it doesn't happen. It's a record for a reason. What are, what are you supposed to do? Like, other than try to cheese your way through with picks like mid lane Lucian, what do you do? Is there an answer? Do you just surrender now? I think I think it's got to be you have to make Faker beat you. You have to make play, Faker play one on nine. I, I think that's just it. I think okay. you just have to put all the weight on his shoulder and just hope he isn't playing something like Oriana, which with one play can totally, you know, one good shockwave can totally turn a game. I think you have to go after Huni. Uh, I think you need to pull Peanut up into the top lane and try and make that a 2v2. And your bot lane has got to beat Bang. Like, I... It's there's two ways you can do it. You can either try and go beat Faker, but then the other players on the team are top three in the world at their positions, or you try and make the other guys beat you and or, and or you try to make Faker beat you and take out you know two other lanes and a jungler. It's it's really hard. Yeah, it's really and, difficult to do that. And taking out both side lanes, like good luck with that. KT Rolster has the most raw talent, you know, as as far as super teams go that we've seen possibly ever certainly this season and they couldn't take a single game in the lck finals like i i mean if if mata and deft cannot beat up bang and wolf enough for it to be relevant who who is who's going to find this who's going to have enough talent in the bot lane to neutralize that and then have enough talent in the jungle and top lane position because remember you need both to make that 2v2 oh, yeah. that you have to force because you have to be setting the pace of this game. Because, yeah. by the way, all of this gets thrown off entirely if Peanut's the one dictating the pace of the game. And good luck counter-juggling against that. It, it, it feels like this is just a preordained, you know, this is, this is just, we're just waiting for the coronation ceremony. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of how. <laughs> And how badly these this teams is a, are this, no, no, this isn't waiting for a coronation ceremony. This is waiting for someone to assassinate Faker. Like, let's. <laughs> I just want to say, uh, the Rough Draft podcast does not condone the assassination of foreign dignitaries. Let me make that absolutely, abundantly, perfectly clear. But Faker has had the crown since season five. You know, there was a year where there, it was in turmoil. There was like this whole, you know, sword got pulled out of a stone. Charlie Hunnam was involved. He led Samson, the Samson organization to a world title. It was great. Uh, yeah, then, then he went to China because he got paid for a lot of money and he did a terrible movie about the wall with Mark Wahlberg, I think. Um, and, and then Faker came back. He, he grabbed the crown that was just kind of left there scattered. He grabbed Excalibur and he was like, all right, well, uh, Camelot's mine again. Let's let's do this. And no one has gotten close to him. No one has stood a chance against this guy. He's just swinging that sword willy-nilly like, oh, I accidentally hit someone. Oh, oh, my rocks, tigers. We, I knew you well. Oh, I mean, oh, there goes Crown and his victor. Oh, okay. I just killed a little Crown. All right, whatever. I mean, rocks came close, right? Like, that's the team. Like, if you... But you know, they, they brought it, they had a 2-1 lead in that semifinal series. That was the time. If ever there was going to be a moment. And then, of course, it didn't work out. And then Peanut said, hey, you know how I was, like, one of the only reasons why this was even close? Why don't I play for you guys and we could just roll over everybody? And that's just where we are. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what's scarier, uh, that or the fact that you specifically mentioned foreign dignitaries as if we supported the assassination of other non-foreign dignitary people. I didn't realize we had an official stance specifically on that as far as our assassination policy. We should really go over the company guidelines together sometime, Walter. But We need to rewrite the handbook. I think that is absolutely true. It needs, absolutely. To, be, it needs to be all dignitaries of any size, shape, or dimension. I, I understand where you're coming from on this. Where does he speak to lion? is on this. Where do you think Unicorn's coming on this series? <laughs> I'm going to bet on Flash Wheels anyways because I bet on them to win the thing. Yeah. Um, Look at uh, that. I mean, I'm going to say SKT minus 666. SKT minus 833. They weren't quite high enough. Fair enough. That's Flash Wolves at plus 475. Fair enough. 
SK Telecom at minus one and a half, in case you're thinking, well, maybe there'd be some value there. No, it's minus 263. You really only get value if you want to go minus two and a half, predict the SKT 3.0. That would be plus 135. If you think Flash Wolves can somehow make it a 3.2, you can get plus 195 on that. That would be probably the only line I'd consider of all those. Because there is a chance. Flash Wolves have this weird thing where they seem to throw SKT off. They did beat them once here already. They've beat them a couple times. If you Probably go there it's with... a 3-1. This, this, this is the end. This is what SKT says. This is the end of the Flash Wolves being the Korean killers. And specifically being the SKT killers. This is going to be the, all right, you're our last real hurdle outside of Korea. Um, it's time to slay the beast. And, and they're going to put some wolves down, unfortunately. At the best, this is a 3-1 series. At the it, best. It certainly feels that way. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine that SKT loses a series. It's hard for me to imagine SKT losing any of the series of this event. But hey, I'm not the one who gambled against them because I thought that that was a, a good idea to do. That's the only place there is value. Come on, yeah. plus 900 on World Elite and Flash Wolves. Does something screw might happen? Up. You've been spending this entire week on social media and off bragging about all of the value bets you made during the group stage. I made a lot of and money I, during the group stage. I could throw away 200 somebody bucks. Somebody that was the only way to go. How no, dare no, you? That was the only value on the outright. That was the only value on the damn outright. And I'm up so much money right now, I could throw away $200 on an off chance that Faker dies in a car accident. I'm being really morbid about Faker's health. Wow. I really hope he's all right. Yeah, I hope he's like sitting in his bathtub and he's just like got a massagist, you know, someone <laughs> behind him and him and Kakoma are talking and Faker just kind of looks at Kakoma, looks up at the masseuse and goes, eh, this one? No, no, not this one. All right. The masseuse is a female in this and Kakoma yes. is looking for a wife. And that for those of you who don't understand, uh, you know, that that joke. Yeah, well, I, I, I think Kakoma has everything he needs. He is the artist that has basically painted everyone's doom at this event. So we're going to move on to the next match, a, a match that I, I think if you were going to have another artist, someone who was painting the narrative that people would want to buy into. Stop. No, stop. No, 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 no. You don't get to put anybody in Kakoma's skin. No, I'm just no saying. One. Like, no one you, goes up there. Stop Riot it. headquarters. Just... And you're writing the script because we no all know this Riot, is No one at Riot is dumb enough to even be like, yeah, we need to we need to compare someone to Kakoma. That'll go over I'm not great. I'm comparing it to Kakoma. Perfect. I'm saying G2 have built a narrative for themselves. If there is some artistic merit to this, it feels like the story has come together. Are you shitting me right now? They got are, you, are you actively me right they now? Got this, okay. is, this is a troll. I'm literally being trolled right now that you weren't going to talk about World Elite and you're going to G2 and talking about artistry. Are you joking? Okay. Are you joking? They've Let's... had some of the sloppiest 25 minutes I've ever seen in League of Legends. And I watched live Renegades and Dignitas both give up just the worst kills in the first five minutes of a game I've ever seen in my life. Like, That's they had some sloppy League of Legends. They had some awful League of Legends. I don't know what happens to Trick when he appears on the international stage, but if you put Trick that appeared on an international stage and said this guy was a European MVP for back-to-back -back years, I would laugh at you in the face. I would laugh until my spittle just had completely covered your face straight, cackling. Because Trick has looked awful internationally. It has been atrocious. The early game is just garbage and the problem is that the other teams here are better at the late game world elite is a better late game team skt is a better late game team like congratulations you did better than flash wolves that i said were completely inconsistent and tsm led by wild turtle like, yes. come on there is no artistry in what gt was doing jackson pollock just threw paint with a paintbrush and that was art it could be sloppy Art doesn't always I'm not letting Bob within. Ross in here to say anything is art. This is not art. What they were Look, doing was not art. Well, if, if you don't want to buy in, I'll just say it was a happy little mistake that we're now going to turn into a great conversation point. Look, I, I agree with you. There was a lot of sloppiness here, uh, specifically with Trick. Let, let's play a game, Walter. Who do you think 
had the three worst KDAs during this group stage. In order, to go from third worst to worst, let's say. Okay, is it out of all players or just junglers? Out of all players. Uh, Svenskaren. Okay, yep, third worst at 1.9. Okay, Svenskaren. Um, the support for Marines. Uh, Archie was actually fifth at 2.1. Oh, okay, there we go. Um, MMD. MMD, uh... We're talking... It's not in the bottom three, okay. 16th. Really? Yeah. MMD was fine, man. Three I mean, I assume KDA. Trick is in the bottom three. He's probably yeah. the worst, so... Trick is 1.7. He's not quite the worst. Good old Stark takes that one. Because he could only play oh. Gragas. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, Stark. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes but, sense. you know, the fact that Trick is in between Stark and Svenskaren, that's not a conversation you want to be in. One of those players has only been playing competitively for a literal month. Shout out to Stark. I, I think this could be a growing experience for him. I hope he improves, but like you, you could tell he'd only play for I can a play one champion. And, and Svenskaren is a guy that we just said, like, I'm genuinely worried about what this means for TSM moving forward, and Trick is just sandwiched right between those two. That is a concern. I'm going to say it's a concern. I think that it says a lot about Europe that he hadn't been punished. But I, I do want to at least take a step back to say that there were two players who I think impressed me on G2. Okay. First one's Expect. I thought Expect has had a great tournament so far. Expect is slowly turning into one of the best top laners in Europe. Right? Did it's you really watch did you watch the G2 video where they did the last the final play against uh, TSM and Expect is the one that's calling everything? Yes. Like they're about to pull off. He's like, "No, no, trust me. Trust me. Go." And they're all like, "Okay." And then he flash body slams uh, Bjergsen and then ults him back into the team, and they're like, oh, nice. <laughs> there we go. That'll Loved do it. it. That's exactly what you need from a guy in that spot. That's the guy we've been hoping Expect could be, right? We we knew that he had these little mechanics, and, and he'd been able to do those well, but we never saw all of it come together. Feels like it's coming together for him. Also kind of enjoying what Trick, uh, what Perks has been up to, I should say. Yeah, Perks has I been... Thought I thought Perks played well. Led all mid laners uh, in CS differential at 10 minutes uh, with 4.5. Uh, he was very strong in that regard. Didn't necessarily carry over later, but a lot of that's because he didn't have many opportunities. I don't think Trick opened up much of the map for them. They were constantly having to play from behind in that regard. And if you want to look at the difference between G2 at this event and G2 within their region, regular season in Europe, 56.3% jungle percentage. We've mentioned that a lot in the podcast. This event, 48.9%. Puts him at fourth. Here's the thing. Uh, I, w I wanted to be like, I, I was looking at his stats. I was like, oh, man, like he's got he's got like some pretty good Oriana stats. Like, oh, his CS per minute, yeah, it's pretty good. I'm like, Faker hasn't been farming all that well. Let me look. Uh, nope, Faker's been farming fantastically. Every single one of his champions except Syndra is over 9 CS per minute, and Syndra's yep. at 8.91. Um, and, but like Perks, like, yeah, his, the lane kingdom meme, um, I don't think he should utter it in a world where Faker exists, because <laughs> if he ever meets Faker in lane, it's not lane kingdom. Um, bow down to the king, bow yes. down, bow down to the king, Perks, young son. Um, and it is his defense. He did say that unless Faker literally lost his hand, that he would be the best mid laner in the world. So I don't think Perks, I'm going to say he didn't think that one through. But I'm just gonna say, like, yeah, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of digging the Lane Kingdom like perks. Like this feels like, this feels like a mature version of like arrogant young stud perks, uh, and I dig it. I like it. I want to see him go back to Europe and kill everyone. I like yes. legitimately want to see him just go back and just blow through Europe. Like that'd be highly entertaining for me for him to be like, all right, like now you know. We didn't totally crap the bed on the international stage. We didn't go on vacation. All right, you're up. Let's go. Now I'm going to make you my, you know, not nice word. So. Am I wrong to feel like they still haven't been embraced by the EU community yet? I don't know, Chase. You're writing an article about that, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. And that's why I've been paying particular attention to it. But like when I read the, the post-game threads, even when they win... Most of the comments have been around the lines of, lol, we're all terrible. Like, both teams sucked. Both teams played poorly. And, I mean, and it's... to be fair, G2 has played terribly this entire event. I, yeah, but 
I mean, like, if, if we're going by that standard, all but two teams have played terribly at this entire event. Yes! Yes, that is exactly true! That is actual a factual fact! There is no fake news here. That is a ob observable fact. All teams but two of them have played terribly. One team only played above their station because their station was like some, you know, run-down, decrepit greyhound that's like in Newark, New Jersey that, you know, you only stop at when you're driving from New York to Florida because your bus had a flat tire or something. Like, yes, the other four teams have been awful. Let us not kid ourselves here. Yeah. Can we talk about the other good team, please? I want to get to World Elite. Absolutely. Please. Let's talk about Team WE. Uh, I think that this was a team that, when we looked at the first half of the event, I think we felt very differently than the second half. This was a team that was two and three, five-way tie for the two and three halfway through the yep. event. And then they won their next five games, including a, a win that I don't think either of us saw coming against SKT in which GA put together what I think is probably the strongest individual performance outside of Peanuts' 14-kill, 15-minute Lee Sin game. I think GA's was better because it was against Faker. Okay. I think That's... it was better. Like, Peanut, I totally get it. That was a fantastic jungle performance as a jungler. That is the stuff dreams are made of. But GA did it against Faker, and he mostly did it by solo-killing Faker. So... Yeah. That dive was incredible. Oh and and, the, and you know it was incredible because everyone listening to this podcast knew exactly what play <laughs> I was talking about, even though I described it as that dive. That dive. That one dive in that one game that happened at MSI. Yeah. I mean, it was beautiful. I know that uh, Quickshot came out and said, oh, yeah, this isn't like a hidden pocket pick. Like, everyone's been playing it in scrims. Um, it makes sense as a counter to, Lulu, uh, to Oriana because you just E into the ball and you take very little damage. Um, overall, just, just that game was just absolutely brilliant. And World Elite as a whole has been playing really well. You've had a couple signature 957 games and escapes. You've had a couple games where Condi has really put uh, the team on his back and has, you know, really exploited the map. Obviously, GA has had some great games. Ben uh, and Mystic have been fantastic. Like, this has been the most well rounded performance, I think. Uh, this has been the most well rounded performing team out of all six teams that are here. Uh, I definitely think that SKT has had some down games from certain players. Faker, obviously, against WE, pretty down game. Um, Huni and Peanut have had some moments, especially in the Flash Wolves games, where they didn't look very, as impressive. But even in the losses, China has felt strong. They have felt like it's just they know what their play style is, and if you trip them up enough in the early game and they can't really get into their play style, it hampers them but they still can pull off some team fights when they're behind. They still make you feel like they're just that one team fight away from totally turning the game around on its head. Uh, it's been a joy to watch, not only because they made me money, because this has been the first Chinese team that has really looked like a threat on an international scene, which makes it so worrying and so sad that the meta is about to completely shift with the mid-season patch, and this team is probably going to get relegated in China because that's how China works. I mean, I, I want to start... I'm going to argue against your point that World Elite have been consistent in every game. I'd like to point to 957-061 performance against TSM in which Hauntzer just destroyed them with that cannon. Like, it, there have been some bad individual moments. Yeah, I, I would say probably okay. more than there were. Like, the thing is, we don't think about them because they all happen in the first half of the event. Like, the, from day three on, World Elite was as close to, to perfect as a non-Korean team gets. And I, I think that that's something where, you know, whether you believe in momentum or whether you believe that, you know, scouting is really the big thing that turns things around. I think you can point to uh, Hom, the head coach for World Elite, a, a Korean coach, someone who has coached for Vici Gaming at one point was within the Samsung White team. It was a substitute, so he wasn't a coach per se, but he learned from that. I, I think that it's very clear that the guy knows what he's doing. And I, I think that their adjustments were really strong. I thought that their drafts have been very strong. I think that they did a very good job of hiding a lot of their early game weaknesses, which are still present, by the way. I, I don't think that, you know, we should really start saying like, oh, yeah, certainly World Elite has really good early game. I, I think that their good early game moments were really good and the rest of them were pretty okay. 
they benefited from a tournament where there weren't a lot of other really good early game teams that could punish them. But man, when they look good, they look really good. They look cohesive, which I think is something that we don't always see from Chinese teams. I, I think that Jia in particular really surprised me because we knew Mystic was good. We knew Mystic, Mystic could play Kogma. Yeah. We knew that he could play Twitch. We know he could play hyper carries. It's, you know, playing hyper carries. Ezreal, yeah. The entire team is dedicated towards playing around hyper carries. Like, that's that's an easy task. Jia had to enable all that. Jia's been the enabler on most of these compositions and then had that one carry Lucian game. He's done it all. I think I said this to you. World Elite feels like a better version of Ime. Yes. From, from the World Championships. They just feel like a better version of Ime. It's Ime 2.0, I, I think is a good way to put it. If it's I like, may, they're better. They're better. I don't yeah, think they I mean, to be called Ime 2.0. I think they're better than that. Well, no, I mean, the improvement is the 2.0 is always better than the original. I mean, I think, I think it's that much better. That much, They're that much better than Ime because they also have individual talent in every single lane that can just go off in lane phase. And I don't think I may have that. So does that make I may like uh, World Elite point three? Like is that? <laughs> it makes I may Windows ninety five and World Elite Windows this uh, Windows seven. Okay. So there you that's, go. That's fair. There and if go. they're Windows seven, then what does that make SKT? Linux. <laughs> fair. Linux. <laughs> just literally. You know that software that they use in the nuclear in, in nuclear warheads? Mm. No, not Windows ninety eight. The actual one they use, like that yeah. one, the one that like controls every little. No, they're they're Linux because that's what controls everything. All my computer friends tell me Linux is the way to go. So. Linux. Yeah, I I think that's fair. But luckily, uh, we don't. Windows seven isn't going to have to go up against Linux here. They're going up against G two, a a flawed, fallible <laughs> G two. <laughs> So where do you think this line goes, Walter? Well, in the battle of Linux versus BlackBerry 1.12, oh. um, I'm going to go World Elite, and I'm going to say World Elite is at plus 420. World Elite plus 420? Or minus 420. Minus, minus 420. 420. Way too high. Really? I'm gonna World Elite minus World 250. Oh, that's some value right there, boys. That's some value right there. Give me the 3-0 number. Give me the 3-0 number, The 3-0 please. number? Yeah. Oh, you want the 3-0. That would be plus 290 for the 3-0. All right, give me, give me the 3-1. Uh, that would be minus 105. Which I so think here's is... the thing. Here's the thing. If you're, if you're, I'm absolutely sure this is a 3-1 a, a in World Elite's favor. Absolutely, positively, put it down on paper. It's a 3-1. It feels that way. It feels Feel... that way. So here's the thing. If you're willing to go the 3-1, gamble the 3-1 but also gamble the 3-0 because there's a pretty strong chance that G2 doesn't know how to do anything in the early game and can't exploit World Elite, and World Elite's superior team fighting just carries them to a 3-0. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, that's in play. I, I, I don't think that that's unreasonable. I think it, it's tough. I'm, gam I'm gambling all three of those. I'm gambling World Elite winning the series. I'm gambling them going 3-1, and I'm gambling them going 3-0. That's the easiest bet I've ever made in my life. I, I don't disagree. I, I think that the matchup in particular is very rough for G2. I mean, I, I think that this is a team that really, you know, in their best case scenario, they're trying to play World Elite directly into World Elite's comfort zone. And oh, by the way, World Elite was 2-0 against G2 during the group stage so far. So I'm just saying there aren't a lot of things that you could point to that would give you hope for G2 in this series. And they're coached by Weldon Green, which that's obviously, you know, that's the one game loss automatically. There you go. Yeah. By the way, are you now back on my side with the whole the for early game doesn't matter side being a ridiculous argument? Because last week you veered. I mean, at this tournament, at this tournament, the early game does not matter. Let's be it honest. Totally mattered. It totally, totally mattered. It totally does not matter. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The majority of games at this event. Not, not when World League is involved. Not, not, not going to happen. No, I still, I still get that for this meta, but like I said, once the mid-season patch changes and uh, everything changes and it's back to early game, yeah, then Weldon's an idiot. Weldon's I, still an idiot, but I, would I get where he's coming that from. G2 wouldn't have been anywhere near as close to not making it out of this group stage if they put any emphasis on the early game. I would argue that was a detrimental theory that was brought to their strategies at this event. And that 
I am already ready to say that I am completely out on the all that matters is the 20 to 40 bandwagon. And several of G2's wins only came because the enemy team entered in the early game. But, you know, this leaves us with World Elite versus SK Telecom. Another China versus Korea MSI Finals. It'd be just like 2015. And 2015, though, Royal never gave up one. They beat SK Telecom. Is it time? Are we finally ready? EDG? Yes, EDG. Ah. Why did I think it was... Oh, Royal was the one in 2016. Excuse me. It is EDG. Yes. Yes. Is it time? Is, Is it time for another Chinese power... To assert themselves. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I expect. So I can't just blind pick Oriana unless, you know, I'm gonna we're gonna play Oriana support or something weird, and then I'm gonna trick you into picking mid lane Lucian, and I'm gonna have Irelius prepared as a counter pick. Um, I would almost promise in that series, Faker pulls out something wonky, just to get back at GA. Maybe he'll pull out the Lucian, but I, I guarantee Faker will probably play something wonky in that series. He's not gonna go three games with Syndra and Oriana. It's just not gonna happen. He'll play something weird. He's got something prepared for it. He's been spending all week preparing one pick, and he is gonna laugh in GA's face and be like, "Yeah, I mean, you blew, you blew that. Like that was that was your one great game, and you blew it in the group stages instead of on the main stage where that might have been a difference between, you know, a three-two loss and you guys winning this. So good job, GA. But I'm Faker. I play every single champion, and I can't wait to beat you with mid lane Soraka." I honestly would believe anything at this point when it comes to Faker. There's there's basically nothing that I would be willing to convincingly say that Alawi. he cannot do. Yeah, you play mid lane Alawi, Deathfire Touch. Totally could. He'd yep. find a way. I, I just I feel like he's just someone who understands the game intrinsically enough that he'd find a way with almost anything. You know, I, I do want to veer off the idea that SKT are untouchable. We thought that in 2015, Fnatic battled them in five games and needed to beat them in five games. But there's a reason it hasn't happened since. SKT has gotten significantly better than that team was. I, I do not think the rest of the world is caught up. I do not think that any of the teams of this event are better than the KT Rolster team they 3 0 And I wouldn't want to play SKT in a best of five for just about anything. I, I think that they are so mentally well-equipped to handle anything that World Elite are going to throw at them. Yeah. Feels like a 3-1. You could convince me of a 3-2, depending on the odds for the plus four and a half maps. And unfortunately, obviously, we don't have those odds because these semifinals haven't happened It's not yet. guaranteed yet. But uh, it's pretty... It's pretty close to guaranteed. Yeah, I, and I, I do think you should pay attention to us on social media when those lines do come out because I'm sure Walter and I will have strong opinions on them. And then I Walter, will be gambling on WE because I, I'm going to just throw money at it and hope that it hits because it could probably be some big value. Actually, that series, if as close as SKT and Flashfields are, that might actually be able to get me some return on SKT. We'll see. Uh, you can follow me at C80s underscore lol to see what i ultimately decide and uh, and when g2 does beat world elite because i made all three of those bets and threw a bunch of money at it uh, you can find all of my salty tears and calling welding uh, i can't even finish that sentence because it'll never happen <laughs> fair dues well i am at redshirt king i love talking to you guys please do if you if you comment know that i do read every single one love keeping that conversation going with you love talking to you guys on twitter uh absolutely think we have some fun stuff coming your way uh, this will be the last episode that we do uh, on this split. We're not going to do an MSI finals recap. Doesn't... Here's the recap. SKT won. Why did SKT win? Faker. Pat on the back. Pat on the back. Let's move on to summer. Awesome. 
Unless we will have an emergency podcast if something shocking happens, right? Is that safe to say? I mean, yeah, something shocking happens, but like I said, SKT wins. Faker's the best player in the world. Move on to summer. That's fair. And we will move on to summer where it's going to be my time to, to claw my way back in our Guest Alliance challenge. But before we get to it, we're going to have to look at 20 teams here. We got team by team previews. We have fun things on the horizon. I, I think it's, you know, it's always a series that we love doing. It's a series that we know you guys love watching. So we are going to start getting to work on that because certainly there have already been some interesting moves that have been announced this offseason. So until then, goodbye, Internet. Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash pod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show, or eight bucks a month, gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.